Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Jonathan Tuttle. Jonathan, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Let's Excellent. do this. Let's, let's do this. Jonathan is the fund manager at Midwest Park Capital. He's an investor, a speaker, an author, and a maverick. I'm excited to have you on. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a unique industry I'm in. The manufacture of mobile home parks. It's kind of gotten uh, a lot of exposure in the last couple of years, a lot of media. But when you told your friends 10, 15 years ago about it, they were like, "What are you? What do you want to do? Mobile home parks? What?" <laughs> I mean, it was literally like, yeah, they were just kind of looking at you like, "What?" I, I think he's crazy. Uh, but now everyone's kind of like, "Wow, that's what that makes so much sense." Now I, you were talking about now. I, how can I get involved? So we have a, a mobile home park fund. Uh, we also have a academy for people learning how to flip. So the everyday American, we have that. Because the, the fund is mostly for um, accredited investors and the academies for the everyday American to make extra income during the, you know, the COVID and recession while providing affordable housing for people. Uh, I just really kind of stumbled upon the niche. My dad got in the space. I was fortunate enough. My dad got in the space about 15, 16 years ago. And that's what, and he was kind of like my main first mentor. Obviously, uh, he did uh, custom development, did about eighty-five custom homes, had three real estate offices, and when he found, discovered, uh, stumbled upon mobile home parks, and he's like, "This is literally the best thing I've ever come across." That's what kind of got my eyes into it. And so, the last ten years, did mostly like brokeraging, and then in the last few years, I was, I was like, "Well, what's the next step? Where, where can I bring more value? How can I help more people? And what's you know, what's a better long-term play?" And obviously, buying the parks, you know, through the fund and you know, with investors was the best avenue for me. Nice, fascinating, right? So, your your dad has been had been really successful up to that point. Says this is literally the best thing he's ever come across. What? Why? Yeah, great question. No, yeah, because so, he's. The good thing is when you listen to older people, they've been through the you know ups and downs and different economies and recessions. They have good stories. Yeah. And when you research different investors, you read uh, like Sam Zell, who's really big in our space. He's considered the greatest real estate investor of all time. Just to give a little context, he's the largest owner of office buildings, large owner of apartment buildings, and the largest owner of uh, mobile home parks. Wow. And the last five years, he sold off half his office buildings and half his apartments, and he's buying more mobile home parks. <laughs> and so he's a billionaire, obviously. But seeing some of the smart money at Warner Buffett's got two two separate companies that are billion plus. You start seeing the smart money, the Wall Street money. And what my dad discovered, this is about the same time Warren, Warren Buffett got into space, about 2003. He just noticed that the affordable housing need, you can't develop new parks. It's really hard to, and, or it's... Uh, usually like an RV conversion. So it's not technically, it's already kind of the same premise, uh, but they have 60, you have about 60 million Americans that need affordable housing in America and about 12 million mobile homes. So you have this huge need and, and people just really need affordable housing and you don't have enough to supply them with. 
And so when you have that supply and demand and you provide this housing that's usually one third the price of a house in the same town or one price, one half the price of a clothing apartment, but you have your own lot, you have your own, you know, just more piece of you know, home ownership. And the best part about it too, if you're looking from the tenant side, to give an example, in Illinois, we have really ridiculously high taxes. Right. If you were to live across the street and say like a $150,000 house, the taxes are probably going to be like four, four maybe $5,000 a year to get the same school, fire, police. You live in the mobile home, you're paying 10 bucks a month. So that's like your equity right there. Wow. So it's pretty fascinating in industry. Like when you see like it does really solve the affordable housing while providing a safe and comfortable place and it's maintained right. So kind of it hits on all stones. Yeah, it certainly does make sense. Now, it, I, I think that I heard you say that 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 you that they can't create new mobile home parks. Is mm-hmm. why why is that? That's a big question. It's like it's the government zoning. They don't really like it. Uh, they just the stigma. Maybe it just it's almost impossible. There's some data saying there's about ten officially ten new parks developed in the last like twenty years. Wow. There's some other small ones that are kind of on the radar that might get approval, but the whole process to get approved. The zoning, uh, and for the cities, usually it's less taxes. That's another reason they don't like it. It's not the highest and best use because you could have a apartment building or like a luxury resort. And some of these, like if you're especially if you're in like Florida, I know Arizona has probably some prime locations, but like Florida, for example, you'll have like a mobile home park. And it's like right on like it's got waterfront. Yeah. <laughs> so the city's like, well, we rather have a luxury hotel here. Or luxury, you know, senior retirement assisted living center here because we get way more tax money for it. So that's part of the stipulation. But that's the big thing we've always wondered: is like, it's great for the investors, like when you own it because you have that moat, you have that which Warren Buffett calls a moat. It's something you can't. It's like really hard to penetrate, uh, protect your money. But for the to solve the really problem, we need to have more parks. And if you do develop a new park, the other thing about it is you're like developing new subdivisions. So. You have to think about like, well, we have to build the infrastructure. After getting all this approval, you have to build the, you know, all the infrastructure. You have to bring in, you know, sewage, water, all that, those systems, all the streets. Then you have to bring it home by home, and a new home costs eighty thousand dollars. It's not even affordable. I mean, depending on where you live, but the average cost of a new mobile home nowadays is eighty thousand dollars. So the real affordable is an older, you know, seventies to nineties park where the houses are ten, fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars compared to that, you know, $80,000 brand new home. So, but yeah, this, it's just mainly the government's not allowing it. It's so. super interesting, right? You, that's, it's, I feel like you, you hit on all the really key reasons why uh, people aren't, or have not been racing towards it. All that being said, you know, it's like this confluence of events with mobile work and, you know, people, are have sort of an affinity for for tiny homes, which is essentially a mobile home, sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And just really everything going on, it seems like this might be a good opportunity to be doing that. But so, does it make sense from from a developer standpoint to do it? Does does it pencil out if if in fact I could just start a brand new mobile home park or or or, or not? I mean, it depends on your. Everyone has their own goals, their capital. Uh, it's like, like I alluded to, it's it's about a four or five year before you see your return investment. But it'd be more like a development play, because uh, you literally have to bring in the infrastructure. You have to make sure the market right. uh, dynamics will actually allow it to be profitable. We like, and most investors like, we see all the Wall Street and private equity. Like Blackstone just bought uh, five hundred fifty million. What, 
in the last two weeks the mobile home parks you know they're the biggest private equity group in the world uh, we're seeing a lot of those guys but they're looking for parks that are already cash flowing from day one so you buy the cash it's like buying an operating business you know the 30-year history you know you know all the expenses and where you can make improvements usually it's marketing and, and uh, management efficiencies and then also just making sure that expenses are you know yeah. keeping track of expenses that's the quickest way i mean obviously raising rents ethically that's the way you can increase you know the cash flow and the equity of the property however if you develop a new park you have to really factor in these these variables like how fast can we infill and infill means bringing new units and also getting them you know does a market fair allow enough people that could buy these in cash or do you have to have like a rent to own program uh, which there is programs like uh warren buffett's companies uh has uh, the financing king, a financing program called uh, what's it called? Twenty first, twenty first mortgage pro- um, cash program, which allows basically they finance the new homes. But you have to make sure the market allows will actually make it you know in a fast enough way to get your return back because you probably have to be like seventy five percent occupied before you actually become profitable. So it's a different play. You're not buying a cash flow business. You're buying something like over four or five years. Yes, you could buy it, develop it, but you're not going to make much money in the, in the front end of it. So it's a longer play and it's really, really hard to get the approval yeah. like I alluded to. So interesting. All right. So that is from the development standpoint. And if mm-hmm. for the accredited investors who are listening, y'all have the fund that, that is actually going and, and purchasing existing parks. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. For, for the Academy, for, for, for ordinary, um, for ordinary investors, how 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 do they access this uh, world? Yeah, great question. It's it's basically an online course. You know, there's all the rage nowadays. Online course. We want to have a solution for because I've had some friends who aren't accredited. And obviously, we have to abide by the SEC rules, which you know accredits two hundred plus a year ongoing. But the everyday American, this could be a great avenue to do something that's not complicated because like way well, you have to look at it. Everyone sees all these TV shows, like you mentioned, like the uh, tiny houses. Mm-hmm. You have that dynamic, and then you also have the other dynamic where all the other shows are like how to flip a house, how to flip a house. But at the same time, if everyone in the same town is flipping houses, and there's only you know, and everyone's flip going over this doing the same exact techniques, the you know, it's you're basically getting into a red ocean. And then with the mobile home side of it, you could be the only one usually within you know two or three, four parks in your area flipping these and. Uh, it's just really a blue ocean where you don't have much competition. You're still providing affordable housing. That's the beauty about it too is, like I mentioned before, if some of these older houses is, like I say, it's a 70, like late HUD, early 80s house, if you put a little TLC, just do some like really minor cosmetic, that's what most people just want anyway. They're not looking for, you know, luxury, you know, brand new, like the laminate flooring or anything like crazy. Just do some nice... Just, you know, think in the market you're in. If you're in a small town and you have just nice new carpet, you know, just some basic stuff from Menards, Home Depot, you know, some new fixtures, new clean it up, paint the walls, it's going to do more than enough for people to be happy. And it's, it's updated enough to make somebody be happy to live there. But you're not spending crazy amount of money. You're spending a couple grand, two, four thousand dollars to fully renovate a mobile home. And you can make a five to ten thousand dollar profit at a small mobile home. But down the other side of it, you're keeping these these uh, older mobile homes in the park because if these get taken down or torn or just gotten rid of, they're bringing in the eighty thousand dollar mobile home. So that person that 
could afford the $15,000 mobile home, $20,000 mobile home, they're not going to be able to afford the $80,000 mobile home. For sure. So it really provides that that solution while making the investors a nice little cash flow and it's not competitive, it's not crazy, like tearing down walls and all of a sudden there's like mis- hidden problems behind it because you can't do much. There's the, the, the foundation hmm. of a... The basic of mobile home is a box, and if you, you can't even touch the outside windows. You can't make the windows bigger because uh, that will actually – the foundation that will actually crumble in. So you can't like, like oh, I want to put in new doors here on the outside and you know bigger windows. You can't do that. <laughs> so it's a really – it's minuscule stuff that you could do to actually make a lot of value and make somebody happy while making a nice profit. So it's a really easy way to get involved with real estate if you're just starting out. And at the same time, what the, the big picture is you're learning the game. And a lot of the people, most of the space is about 92% are, are uh, mom and pop owned. It's not institutional. So you're going to build a relationship with some of these baby boomers that their kids probably don't want the parks. They want to, you know, they just want to take the money and run, move to Miami. But you could be, you know, if you flip three or four or five units in a small park and you build a relationship with the owner of the lake, you'll say, hey, you've been, you've been your boots in the ground. You've really helped, you know, maintain my park for me. Do you want to, you know, I'll sell the finance this and you can have this park. You know, I just pay me back, I don't know, three to five years and you can go get it refinanced at a traditional bank. And that's a way for somebody to start off, learn the business, make some income, but then they end up getting a multi-million dollar asset from the seller for free. So we show them those different ways to how to get involved in this space and really build their, you know, short and long-term positioning and income through mobile homes and mobile home parks. So even though there's so much institutional money coming into the space, the vast majority are still privately held? Yes, and this is the crazy thing about it. It's a great, great point you bring up. So comparatively to self-storage, which is kind of a similar asset, alternative asset, we've been around 20 years longer, and they've been uh, institutional has bought up three times more in the self-storage space. That's the crazy stat around it. Where Right now, we think it's about a five-year run. So like you mentioned, it's getting really consolidated. So like right now, it is getting crazy consolidated. So we'll if you talk with me five years from now, it's probably going to be like 60%. <laughs> it's it's yeah. t- trending that much towards institutional because obviously uh, Apollo Group's really big into it. Sovereign Wealth Funds, um, they're buying billions and billions of dollars in mobile home parks. The main thing, the advantage to the everyday investor, the small investor, the normal credit investor is, like I just mentioned or alluded to, is a one-off mom and pop because they're not going to go after a one or two or $3 million mobile home park or a $5 million mobile home park. They, you know, because they have so much access to capital, the cost, you know, the way they get money, they want to buy a portfolio of, you know, 20 parks at a time, or they want to buy, you know, a five-star community that's on the ocean in Florida, California. So their play is to build, like what our fund is, to build, you know, a small portfolio where it actually becomes appealing to uh, institutional, but your your avenue, your your habitation's avenue for everyday investor, it just go for the small mom and pops where it still makes the scale of economics, uh, and also where it makes sense for management, we like 75 to 250 units because you're not buying a job. If you get like those 30 to 50 units, it's more hands-on. And it might be perfect for somebody that lives 20 minutes away. They have their day job and they want to have like another park that brings in 100, 200,000, 300,000 passive, you know, and they just check on it once a week. Could be the perfect thing for the retirement. The retirement vehicle plus the tax, the tax benefits are the best of any real estate. Nice. So, on the whole, or, or just like you, you just, I'll, I'll just ask the question: um, Are are the actual mobile home units 
um, independently owned by the by the resident, or do sometimes the actual park own the units? Yeah. So ideally, you want it where like our our thesis is we want to have it where the tenant owns the unit. You don't even for Fannie and Freddie right now. They're really just give an idea, a little context. Fannie and Freddie ten years ago didn't really invest in or they didn't really loan in uh, mobile home parks. In the last couple of years, they've really made a big push towards affordable housing. And right now, they have to allocate about thirty-five, I think, or thirty-seven percent to uh, good causes or to affordable housing, basically. And obviously, the biggest recipient of that is mobile home parks. And one of the stipulations they have is you can only—they want typically—they want it basically like a land lease, where it's maybe twenty, twenty-five max are park-owned, and they want you to see if you have a plan to get rid of those park-owned homes, get them off your books. So it's—you really want to be where you have land. You're basically renting the land. And you don't have to sit there and be doing that. There's always going to be parks that's going to be have a percentage of like mostly, you know, uh, park-owned homes. That's not what we go for. Easier management is to get them off your books, basically. Uh, and so the Fannie Friday, in order to get the financing, which right now, to give you a context too, is the first time they've actually given out better rates to uh, manufacture mobile home parks than multifamily. So we're seeing rates like 2.75 in um, the like Fannie... Fannie's given a 2.75 Fannie Freddie comparatively to multifamily, which is like right above it, which is kind of crazy. And just to kind of also mention, I mentioned that I kind of left off with the taxes. The one unique attribute for mobile home parks is uh, it's most commercial real estates depreciates at 39 years. Multifamily is 27.5. Mobile home parks are 15 years. And what that means is it's the land improvements it's also all the little concrete pads that the mobile homes are. So it's like 65 to 70% of the entire park when you purchase could be written off. And also with cost segregation analysis. And then the homes, if you do own the homes, you could write them off like multifamily at 27.5 years. So you have these really advantageous tax advantages too, which is pretty cool, pretty unique. But yeah, ideally you want to have the, where if you own the park, you want to have it where the tenant owns the homes. Got it. Nice. Well, Jonathan, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Sure. I think the biggest thing I've learned in like entrepreneurship for the last 10 years and really the last five years is really pay for mentors. Uh, get around mentors because a lot of times they're not going to do it for free. If they're really successful, you start getting around people to make it eight, nine figures. They, their time, they know they can't get non-refundable minutes. Like They might want to help you, but they can't give you step-by-step. Step. So paying for mentors or bringing value to them and somehow paying for something you give them that makes them money will really get you ahead. Like it will move you ahead so much farther if you invest in somebody that's already been there and done that because you're not going to have some of the same mistakes. You can skip, you know, bypass that and you're going to have that speed execution, which you need to, to thrive in today's business environment. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and how can people get involved? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's, I'm really excited to be here uh, for the fund. If you're looking into like a passive or learn more about mobile home investing, go to MidwestParkCapital.com. That's our fund's website. And then if you're just looking to learn, you know, have some questions about how to flip mobile homes and maybe learn how to do that as a business, uh, the MobileHomeWealthAcademy.com. Those two websites. Or Jonathan Tuttle, official on, on Facebook if you want to connect socially. Perfect. 
Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jonathan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to MidwestParkCapital.com. Check out the MobileHomeWealthAcademy.com. That's the site, Jonathan. Yes, that is it. And you can find him on social media as well. I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.